Hi, I'm Tiki Barber, co-founder of Thusio. Thanks for listening to the Thusio Live and Unfiltered podcast. This episode features my interview with Caddy Hall of Famer Joe LaCava. Joe describes what sparked his interest to become a caddy, how he developed a relationship with Tiger Woods, and why he stayed loyal to him despite multiple injuries. Plus, Joe recalls a great story in which he had an interesting confrontation with a heckler. Enjoy the interview. The story about Joe LaCava that I tell, I went to the Masters in 2003, 2003. It was one of the only Masters Thursdays that got rained out or weathered out. There was nobody playing. Fly down, look, I'm going to see all these great athletes. Uh, None of them were playing. Maybe some of them are actually athletes, but you know what I mean. And so I said, I'm going to go over the course anyways, and maybe some people are hanging out. And I see Fred Couples putting on the, on the green. I'm like, oh, that's Fred Couples. I mean, just stand here. And then this guy starts screaming at me, show me your ring. I'm like, this, this, this guy thinks I'm Rondé. He's like, show me your ring. I was like, I don't have one. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, Tiki. Because he was a big Giants fan. Joe LaCava. Uh, Fred, uh, Fred Couples Caddy, uh, welcome to Thusio. Thanks, Teague. Thanks for having me. I'm a little embarrassed because I do claim to be the biggest giant fan in the world, <laughs> and I didn't know, but you've always got that helmet on, and you guys are identical twins. What are you going to do? Yeah, you're right. But that, I actually tell that story because it was an unbelievable experience for me, even though I didn't see any golf, because Freddie took me into the to Champions locker room. Oh, he, he's, a, he's a football nut. He knows all you guys. He loves it. Yeah, so tell us... Obviously, you're working with Tiger Woods now, but I'm going to back up. You started caddying 1987, 88 or so, and you were uh, pretty soon after that with Fred Couples and with him when he won the Masters in 1992. You got into caddying because of why? Great question. Um, You know, I caddied growing up, but I wasn't trying to make a living doing it. I was just trying to make a couple extra bucks on the side. Uh, but once I got out there in 87 and started getting a piece of, in the taste of the competition, I mean, you're not playing, but you have a better seat than a manager or a coach. Uh-huh. Because you are kind of a part of it, even though you're actually, actually not hitting a shot or, you know, making a putt or whatever. Um, but it's a competition thing. I mean, I, you, you know, you talk about Tiger hating to lose, I can't stand losing. <laughs> so that was like a drug. I was just addicted after I got a taste of Ken playing well, and then obviously when I went to Fred... And then, you know, he goes on to win the Masters. And then I was definitely hooked after that. Yeah. So when you, so we look at Fred Couples as this iconic American golfer. How do you look at a Fred Couples? Uh, Just a buddy, a guy that, you know, came to my wedding, a guy that I hang out with, um, you know, a guy that I've been out with a few times when he's, you know, (laughs) done his thing. Uh, Just, you know, just one of those things. Um, But he's just a regular guy. Like, you know, the funniest stories, or one of the funniest stories is, between the tournaments in New York and Boston, we have the extra day because the Boston tournament's on a Monday, so it starts on a Friday. And he was always kind enough to come up to my house and hang out for two or three days, and he was nursing a bad back most of the time. And when we mentioned it was time to go have some ice cream at this famous place called Rich Farm in Oxford, he hopped up off that couch like the house was on fire. (laughs) And my kids were young at the time, they're like, Dad, why does he just kind of hang out on the couch all day, but then when we tell him it's ice cream time, he jumps up and the back's fine. But he's just a regular guy, likes to sit around, he knows everything about sports, and that's all he does, he just likes to watch sports and hang out. What do you remember most about that 92 Masters for Fred Couples? 
you know, the easy one is the 12th hole, the break of a lifetime when the ball stays up. Um, you know, I don't know how many guys remember now, but it stayed up on the bank on number 12. And to be honest with you, I think the bigger break, or at least to me, was he hit, you know, an eight iron. He was looking for the middle of the green. He stuck it in the ground. And usually when you stick it in the ground, it doesn't go very far. And it's obviously pushed, and there's a further carry. So to be honest with you, I thought it was in the middle of Ray's Creek. So I thought the break, first of all, was getting over the creek and then having it stay up. I guess the story goes is we got storms, heavy storms on Saturday, and we finished Sunday morning, the last four holes. And I guess the crew went out to mow the bank, but the conditions were not safe for the guys working because they were going to slip and maybe hurt themselves and maybe get caught in the mowers, so they did not mow the bank that morning. That's how the story goes. So that's, so that's why the shot of 12 stayed up. Because I think that's part of the reason, and obviously maybe it was a destiny thing. I mean, you always catch a break when you win a big tournament, and that yeah. was his. How much credit the caddies deserve? Right, because you see, you see sometimes, I'm serious, players are, I forgot who this was, earlier in the year, the caddy was arguing with the, with the, with the player, and the guy said, I'm doing it anyways, and he hit it into the, into the junk, you know what I mean? How much credit do you get, or do you deserve? Um, well, I'm not looking for any, because I realize that he's the guy hitting the shots and stuff like that. Um, with Tiger, we'll fast forward to Tiger. He's always first to give me a lot of, you know, high fives or, you know, great read, great club, stuff like that. Almost, almost too nice. It's kind of weird, uncomfortable almost. <laughs> um, but he's, he, he makes me feel like a teammate of his and that I help him out a lot. I think we deserve a little bit of credit because, like I said, we are doing a pretty good job for these guys and we work very hard for them. But at the end of the day, they, sh they deserve most of the credit because they're the ones playing the game. Yeah. How did that relationship with Tiger Woods come about? You know, I was working for Fred for a long time, 21-plus uh, years, and he basically said, you got to go find somebody younger and healthier. Um, and he was right, because he was kind of lying. So you went out. to Tiger Woods, who's beat up. Well, and, as oh, it turns out, time. wasn't quite as healthy as we thought, obviously. But no, no. At the time, he was healthy, and he was still in his prime. So um, I was telling the guys earlier, um, I talked to his agent, Mark Steinberg, and we talked a little bit. He said, well, here's Tiger's number. He wants you to call him, and you guys can hash it out. I'm out of it after this. So I called him on a Saturday morning, and I, you know, start off with, hey, what's going on, this, that, and the other thing. I said, what are you up to? He goes, I'm watching soccer. I said, shit, watching soccer. Maybe i got to reconsider this gig. <laughs> but, you know, it was just one of those things where he's just a regular guy sitting home on a Saturday morning watching soccer. He was injured at the time. We had a great conversation. He said, I'd love to hire you, and that's kind of how it happened. My question, I guess, is do you see Tiger Woods the way that all of us see Tiger Woods? Great question. No, I, I actually don't. I see him as just a regular guy, and I know that sounds weird, and I get what's going on around us with the crowds and everything else. Um, but once you get to know him, he really is just a regular guy. Um, you knew him already from tour? From I knew him a little bit. We, you know, we played a couple President's Cup with him, a couple of practice rounds, and uh, he kind of idolized Fred growing up. So he was always kind of tight with uh, Fred, and we played some practice rounds at Augusta. So I knew him, but I didn't know him that well. And then once I got to know him, you know, he takes me into his home. I stay with him down in Florida. I fly on his plane. He's just a regular guy, honestly. He really is. Except you're flying on a private plane. Well, and doing yeah. A, well, it's kind hey, of come nice. meet Don't me. Me wrong. I'll, I'm, I'll sit in my plane. <laughs> and I'm, sit, I'm sitting at his beach house across the street. Lynn's got a cook. Life's pretty good. <laughs> that doesn't suck. No. Um, Tiger has had some, I guess, notorious breakups. Uh, Fluff, as we all know, was his first caddy. Then Stevie Williams. Why does it seem that they always ended badly? And what are you doing right? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think uh, to answer your question, I'm hoping I'm doing something right, and I hope it lasts a long time. And, I, and my, my goal is to work for them for a long time and have it end well, because a lot of them don't end well. 
And why is that? Why? I mean, not just Tiger, but just in general. Why is that? I just think, you know, sometimes things go south and they get a little sour. I mean, you can do things wrong or inappropriate and the guys just get hacked off. Some guys, you know, ask for too much money or want more than they deserve, that kind of thing. And they're just, you know, guys just don't, doesn't sit well with guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. How much does he pay you? How, yeah, enough. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> not, your, not your kind of cash, but it's decent. 73rd. PGA Tour win, which, which obviously uh, tied, the, uh, tied the great Jack Nicholas. What do you remember about that, that moment? Uh, well, you did your homework because it was 73, which was nice because it was Jack's tournament. He was very gracious after the fact. Uh, I remember kind of, you know, not panicking slash choking on the tee, but it was, a new, it was a new green, so we knew it was hard, and anything that landed on the green was going to go over the green. Um, but, you know, obviously you don't want it over the green because, you know, it's a tough up and down, and you can make maybe... You could drop 100 balls and maybe make two of them from there. Um, but as soon as he hit the chip, it looked like it was never going to miss. And I just got thinking back, you know, I'm five or six tournaments into working for this guy, but that's what I'm used to seeing on TV or playing with the guy paired against him. And I finally got to be on the good end of it, which was awesome. So we were pretty jacked up. Yeah. yeah. Now, so when something like that happens, so Tiger's standing over that ball. It's, it's, it's not fluffed up. Right. It's sitting down, and me and everybody else in this room would have hit it Right. scolded it and hit it in the water. Uh, and, and, and Tiger's coming to you. Is he asking your advice? Or is he saying, I'm going to do this, ver you know, validate me? N not much on chip shots. Like you said, it wasn't an easy shot for anybody. But, I mean, it's obviously easier for those guys. But, um, you know, I can tell by the stance what he's going to do. And he was planning on flopping it and opening up the face. and just. I mean, he obviously hit the, a great shot. And like I said, you're going to make two out of 100 of those. But I was never worried about him not getting it up and down. I thought he was going to make three. I mean, two was a nice bonus, but I thought he was going to make three. But never an issue. But they don't ask much about the chipping. Yeah. A few years later, obviously, we know what happened with Tiger. He had back surgery. He was um, not on tour at all. But you stayed with him. You were loyal with him, even though he told you, go find another bag to get on. Why, did you, why were you so loyal? Well, for a couple reasons. I mean, uh, you know, he had two great years, so I knew he was capable of obviously playing very well. Um, while well, I actually worked for him. And then we all know about his history in terms of how much he dominated the game for 10 years. So I'm not a doctor, so I was always unsure of how he was going to come out of the surgeries. But at the same time, if you, know, if you saw firsthand what I saw for two years, you'd never leave the guy. Yeah. I mean, he won, secondary won five times, player of the year, won eight times in the two years. So I knew he still had it in him. Like I said, I just wasn't sure about the physical part. And if you go looking around, yeah, there's some top players in the world, but there aren't a lot of other bags that can equal Tiger. So I yeah. thought it was worth the gamble to hang around. Yeah. Did, did you feel like it was deja vu, in a sense, because of Fred Couples' back? Well, people tell me that all the time. They said, you've got to stop working for these guys because you <laughs> cause these back problems. But, you know, it was one of those things where it was unfortunate, and, you know, the fourth surgery was finally, I think, you know, did the job with the fusion, so a different kind of surgery. And I think, honestly, not because he's had a great year this year, but I think he's... Going forward, I think he's going to be healthy for a while. Yeah, so I saw you while you were in your hiatus or whatever. Right. I was actually, what are you doing for? What are you doing now? I'm like playing golf. What else would I be doing? Are you a good golfer? Uh, you know, guys all think because I work for a legend, I'm a legend myself. I'm an eight handicap. I'm okay, and I can compete, but I'm not. Only eight. No, well, I'm not as mostly. A lot of these guys are scratches. So but I'm here's not. the thing: if you played golf, like if you had someone on your bag, would you be good? Um, I, I enjoy when I have a caddy just to walk and have the different experience and not have to do much. But I don't think I'd be much better, but I do yeah. enjoy that experience. How is Tiger in, real, in, for, in a regular life situation? How is he? Because we make judgments on people. Right. 
who are in the public eye like him. How is he? I wish, I wish people could get to see him just kind of when he's home with his kids, and now he's with the kids, now Grady is with the family. Um, and he, like, just that instant there, he can needle with the best of them and give guys a hard time. It's hard to believe this, but he's just a regular guy, honestly. I mean, that was one of the things that I was surprised at, how low maintenance the guy is. He doesn't need a lot. I mean, he wants you to show up and do your job, but there's not a lot to it other than that. I mean, he's one of those guys he learned from Fred. He doesn't even go in the locker room anymore. He just changes his shoes in the parking lot. I mean, he's just not a high-maintenance kind of guy. Yeah. Did he actually give you $100 there? No, but he, you know, he kids me about it. And we were, he was actually rooting for me, and he's making a joke of it. But that's the relationship that we have. We can go back and forth like that and yeah. have a good time. Now, this, this past season, after his uh, microdiscectomy, which we didn't know whether or not it was going to work or not. You never know with back surgery. Um, the expectation was what? for you when you're finally back out there i remember it was a little bit before when i saw you before it was when he was going to go play down in the bahamas right what was the expectation from your standpoint did you think he would get back to playing truly competitive golf you know when i we, I, I have a head start on everybody else because i went down there before the bahamas and saw him two or three different times i would go down for five days at a time and he'd practice and play and the key to me was he was obviously hitting it well but he was able to do it five days in a row without any pain or soreness or stuff like that. So I was cautiously optimistic because in the previous surgeries, he couldn't do that. We would go like one every three days and play in practice. Like I said, he did five days in a row three different times. So that to me knew he was, and I knew his game would eventually come around, yeah. but the fact that I knew he was healthy then, I thought, you know, we, we have a shot at least. Yeah, how did his game evolve? Because remember, he used to be one of the bangers, man. He was trying to hit it as far as he, as he, as he could. Has this game changed? He's, you want to keep up with the young bucks, but you can't. I think a part of it's still out there that he wants to keep up with the young guys because he basically knows that's how he dominated the game back then. Dominated the par fives and hit it a long ways, and he ate up the par fives, and that's how he won all his golf tournaments. I think he's starting to realize and accepting the fact that he's not going to be the longest guy out there. And just recently, he changed shafts and added a little loft to his driver. So now he's hitting a bunch of fairways. He may be hitting at 290 instead of 310, but he can live with that. Because if you can get it in the fairway, he's the best iron player in the world. That's yeah. all he needs to do. Why did he, not, why did he change that earlier? <laughs> well, it was working for him back in his heyday because he would still make birdies and stuff out of the rough. Yeah. Um, but now he's realizing he can't do that because he didn't have the strength out of the rough like he used to. So now it's more important that he hit the fairway. Was, was the PGA Championship the one where you had the heckler? No, that was in Akron, Ohio. That was in Akron, Ohio. Tell us that story <laughs> where you paid this guy off to leave the course. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I just, <laughs> we were on the 14th hole the last day at the, at the Bridgestone Tournament in Akron, Ohio, a tournament that Tigers won eight times, and he played just well enough at the British to be 50th in the world, which was the last spot. So we're pretty jacked up that he's in, but he shows up kind of tired because he went on vacation with his kids the week before, so he was kind of out of gas. And we're playing on Sunday, and we're probably middle of the pack. I want to say 35th place. And on the 14th hole, he basically hit a three-wood 50 yards right where he's looking. And I'm a little hangry at the time. I'm miserable. It's hot. My man's not playing very well. Not much of a check coming up. So he hits it, he hits it under this tree. And so once you're under the tree, you know, it's, it's free game. So he goes under the ropes. And now he hit his shot from under the tree, and it clipped another tree. So he's lining two, and he's still 150 yards out. And there's a cart path, and we're walking along the cart path, and some guy says, hey, Tiger, how about a signed ball for a dollar? And you know, no response from Tiger, obviously. How about a signed ball for $2? How about a signed ball for $5? And then he gives him the old, oh, you look really pissed and hot. I guess you're not going to sign anything. Not having a good day, huh? And so finally I just said, look, pal, here's the deal. I've had enough. Keep your mouth shut for a second. 
He goes, oh, listen, I've got a ticket here. I can do whatever I want. So I said, why don't you just leave and go away? I said, most of these people are rooting for Tiger, having a good time, and you've got to be an idiot. There's no need for it. He goes, I bought a ticket. I can do whatever I want. And I give him the old same thing. Why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? He goes, give me 25 bucks for the ticket, and I'll leave. And I said, you got it. So I put the bag down, and I give him the $25. So he starts to walk towards the 14th green. I said, no, hang on a second, buddy. Leaving's that way. So he turns around. And as he turns around, maybe three seconds pass, and he goes, dumbass. And so, of course, as it turns out, looking back, he was right. I am a dumbass because I dropped the bag on the cart path, and I go chasing after him. Now I get in his face like, like a dumbass. And I said, what the fuck, buddy? I said, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't call me a dumbass to my face. You've got to do it 20 yards down the road. He goes, what are we going to do, get in a fist fight right here? And I said, well, I'd prefer not to. I said, but if we have to, sure. And so that's when the cop came and grabbed the guy and took him out of there. So that's kind of what happened. Nice. Did he yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But meanwhile, I left the bag unintended. I went back there, and all the people gave me a standing ovation because they knew the guy was mean at jerk. Right. Did you get your $25 back? No, he's got it. But, you know, God bless him. I am the dumbass, but it was worth it. <laughs> How amazing is it for them to be in the Ryder Cup? Why is that so entertaining? It's entertaining to watch. It feels like they're... I don't know, look like human in, in the Ryder Cup as opposed to these robots that you see in regular tournaments. The, actually, the most amazing part of the week is watching Phil Mickelson work up a sweat playing ping pong trying to beat Zach Johnson. Because these guys play ping pong every night, I guess just relieves tension. And Phil is a notch below Zach, and Kuchar are the best. And Zach kicks his ass every single year. But Phil is literally diving, running into walls, tables, and stuff like that while he's playing in the Ryder Cup. But... Getting back to the Ryder Cup itself, the golf, it's a fantastic week. A ton of camaraderie. The guys get along very well. You know, they put their differences aside. Phil and Tiger are actually teammates in the, in the doubles ping pong, so that tells you what's going on there. Uh, I thought they hated each other. They don't hate each other. They don't hate each other. That's not, you know, that's Did not Did they true. used to hate each other? I don't think they've ever hated each other. I just think um, Tiger wasn't very receptive to Phil. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> And, but now, actually, they get along, they played a couple of practice rounds, and every, you know, like I said, when everything's fine, it was never bad, but now they're, they're I wouldn't say they're buddies, but they're good. Yeah. But it, it's a fantastic week, it's one of my favorite weeks to work ever. You know, I worked five in a row when I first started, so you think, oh, this is going to happen every two years, and then it doesn't for a while, because Fred got a no-man's land at 40 years old and didn't make many teams, so yeah. I'm really excited. To... Yeah. No, I think the, the playing for your country yeah, is, is, the, is the difference maker, and the, and the formats are different. And I think that's something that's important for golf. Do they, do they do that enough, change up the formats um, so that it, it, it feels like how we play? Yeah. You know, sometimes it feels like you watch golf. It's like they're playing a game that we're never going to play. Yeah, well, there's a team event now, which is a best ball event down in uh, New Orleans. So I think that that was favorable for the guys and everyone loved it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you're not going to see much change because that's what it is. It's a stroke play, 72 holes, and that's how it is. I mean, the tour is not going to change much of that up. Yeah, no, I think you're right. right. Um, Tiger is... Currently, you currently are on Tiger's bag, but you've been on Freddie Couples, you were on DJ's mm -hmm. bag. Who else? Who other, what other bags? I started bags? with a guy named Ken Green for three years, and I've had a few guys in off weeks like John Cook, Cal yeah. Quebec, a few other guys. Who's, who's, who was the hardest to work with? Was it Freddie? Was it, was it DJ? Or was it Tiger? Uh, you know, I've had pretty easy jobs all the way through, and that's not a cop-out. Um, you know, Fred was very easy. I mean, we got to be such good buddies. Um, you know, I had a tough time keeping him focused on what was going on. His routine was, you know, we'd be warming up at 7.30 for an 8.10 tea time, and he'd be giving me the old, you know, where are we going for dinner tonight, Joey? I'm like, dinner? I said, I'm worried about you hitting the first fairway and making a birdie. 
But we got along so well, we knew each other like, you know, there was no tomorrow, and we got along tremendous. Um, DJ was very easy to work for, a great guy, heart of gold. And Tiger's the same way. I mean, honestly, they're very easy to work for. Yeah, so you've been lucky. Yeah, are there other guys on tour that are difficult there to work for? There could be some other guys that can be tough on their caddies out there. We'll keep them nameless, but there's a few guys that are tough on their caddies. But my guys, you know, never blame me for anything, and they've always been great to me, honestly. Who would you never work for then? <laughs> <laughs> That's a trick question. You know, honestly, I'm, I'm not, and again, not a cop-out. I get, I get along fine with everybody. I'm sure there's plenty of guys that would never have me, so you're better off asking yeah. the players. Yeah, you're like, you're like the, uh, the, the head coach in the NFL who's got to protect his next job right. so he doesn't ever talk bad about yeah, any other Yeah, well, guy. you never know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't answer any Florida calls. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the, the big question that's on everybody's mind regarding Tiger is, um, can he still compete? with those guys uh, on a weekend and weekend basis. Yeah, I think he's proven that, like you said, without a doubt. Um, he's had a tremendous year. He's come close a few times. And I think a hot putter is keeping him out of the winner's circle. And I think once he starts to make some putts, I think he putted back in the day abnormal. Yeah. Now he's just putting normal. But if I can get him a little bit higher than normal, he will definitely win. How much of that is on you, the putting? Uh, is it, you know what I mean? Is it, is it reading? Is it, is it, or is, it, is he... A guy that takes it himself. No, he's always, he's always takes ownership himself. He yeah. never blames you for anything, good read or bad read. He's almost over too nice when he always comes over, oh, great read, great read. Um, going back to last week, uh, round three, he hit it close on eight, nine, and ten. I could see the frustration building. Because it's yeah. frustrating when you're hitting it close and not making any putts. And I had a little chit-chat with him on the side, and he mentioned that afterwards. So he's one of those guys where you'd be surprised. You've got, you've got to pump him up a little bit, keep his confidence going, and sometimes calm him down. So... I don't have a lot to do with his putting mechanically, but I, I'm working on him to believe in himself that he can start to putt well again. Not that he's putting poorly. When I yeah. say well, I'm making more putts. And I'm working, I send him texts, I talk to him on the range, I talk to him on the golf course. So I got to get in his ear about that. Yeah, so the one thing we always talk about uh, on our show with a tiger is when he goes astray. Right. Right? He gives you the, oh, tiger. Does he talk to himself a lot? You know, a little bit. I mean, it's usually not, oh, tiger. It's usually worse than that. But, um, <laughs> You know, he, he's pretty hard on himself. He expects a lot out of himself, and I expect a lot of him, too. So I'm, when I say I'm tough on him, you know, if he's not hitting at six or eight feet, I'm not happy either. Yeah. So we're very tough on him. When I say we, him and I are very tough on yeah. him. He's tough on himself. Right, he very much so. We, we talk about Tigers and, his, and playing the best golf in years. What was the transformational moment where you saw Tiger come back to who he has always been? Um, well, going back to Bahamas, it's an 18-hole, I mean, 18-player event. He drove it great. I mean, I think he drove it better that week in December than he has all year. So I certainly knew there was potential. I don't think it was one particular moment, but to see him get through 72 holes and drive it that way, I knew, you know, there was a great potential for him to play very well this year, and he did. I mean, he struggled out of the box at Torrey Pines and putted well just to make the cut and missed the cut at the Genesis. But when he got to Tampa and played a tougher golf course, which he almost won, yep. I knew he was back. And, like, you know, I, I told the story a couple of weeks back. Uh, we're going up number nine at the PGA on Sunday. And as you guys remember, Tiger didn't hit a fairway first nine holes. He shot three under. So I know Tiger's about eight, ten yards behind me. So I look over at Butchie, who's caddying for Gary Woodland, who we're playing with. And I, and I look over him and I says, hey, Butchie, how are the fairways today? Have they cut them? You know, because, you, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, Tiger's well aware of the fact that he hasn't hit a fairway. 
and we're coming up to the tenth hole, which is the hardest driving hole in the golf course. So you got to, you know, you got to cut the tension a little bit. I don't want the guy to think, "Oh my God, my caddy thinks I can't hit a fairway. What am I going to do?" That kind of thing. One time, I'll never forget. Um, I was working for Fred in a big spot, and I was reading a putt, and he goes, "He goes, what do you think?" I said, "What do I think?" I said, "I wish I was putting this one for you." And he turned around, and he, he actually got a little pissed off because it, was a, it, was, it wasn't like it was a Wednesday pro-am. It was a big moment. But at the same time, he'd been putting poorly, too, and he knows that I'm a better putter than him. So I was being dead. He knows, you know, seriously, he'll tell you that. He would tell you that. So sometimes you just got to make light of the moment and try to, you know, ease the tension a little Wait, bit. Wait, hold on. Did he make it? No, he actually missed it. <laughs> he reminds me of that all the time, too. Tell me your favorite Tiger moment on course and then your favorite Tiger moment off course. On the course is easy, um, 2013 TPC, but I'll back it up. The end of 2012, we're flying back from a little money grab. He did like three corporate outings in Singapore, and he asked me to go, and I was like... How much does he get to do those things? I don't know. It's, it's, not, it's, 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 it's not a little amount of money. But anyways, <laughs> we're in Singapore, and that's the last one we're flying back, and it's just me, him, and Steiny, his agent. And Steiny says, all right, let's go through the first half of the schedule for next year. And, you know... La Jolla, yes. Uh, Tonda, yes. Bop, bop, bop. So he gets to TPC, and Tiger says, skip. Kiddingly, obviously. It's the, you know, it's the fifth biggest tournament of the year. Everyone knows about TPC. And he won in 01 when he was playing great. Um, but he's never had a lot of success there year in and year out. So I said, hang on. Let's hold the phone. 20-second timeout. We were drinking a few beers, having a good time on the plane, because it had been a great year, and we were all having a little fun. And I said, in all seriousness, I said, I worked for Fred Couples there probably 20 years straight. And he owned that golf course. He won it twice, and he's always in the top five because it's a second-shot golf course. Whenever you win a golf tournament, you have to do everything well. There's always one aspect of each tournament that you have to do exceptionally well. And at TPC, I think it's an iron, the iron game, second shot. It's the pin placement. It's the way the course sets up. And so we talked about it for five minutes in a serious mode about he should own this golf course, and he should be in contention every year, and he should win it several more times before his career is done. So fast forward to 2013, he decides to skip Wells Fargo, which is the week before, because he had been playing a bunch of golf, and says, uh, I'm going to stay home and practice, get some rest, and I'm going to get ready for TPC. And I was all in on that. Get to 2013, TPC ends up winning the golf tournament. But we're in the hut. We're second to last group. We're playing with Sergio on Saturday, but not on Sunday. And we get into the hut, and there's one more group to go, and he's got a one-shot lead. And as soon as the guy, David Lingworth, missed the putt, he gave me a big high five and a big hug, and he said to me, he goes, you were right, basically. So that was a special moment to me. I'm obviously not the reason he won the thing, but I think I got in his head enough to know that he could believe in himself to play well at that golf tournament, so for sure. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then off, off. Wait, that was, that was Saturday. No, this was Saturday when we played with Sergio with that big I know, so Saturday. After right. Saturday, he had right. a one-stroke lead. He knew he won. No, no, he was in the second-to-last group, and on Sunday he won. I know, but on Saturday, he said thank you? No, no, on Sunday, after the guy missed the putt, oh, I got him you, I on got 18. You. I was going to say, then, that's, well, no, that's kind of cocky. And all the cameras were in that little booth, the scoring area at TPC, gotcha, and gotcha. I told him I need to gotcha. go to the bathroom. He says, you're not going anywhere. Because he knew I was trying to get out of it because all the TV cameras were there. And everyone says to me, why were you guys so animated and so jacked up? And so that was the story that I tell. Got it. Um, off the golf course, uh, again, back down in Florida practicing. He's got a little half-court hoop at his house. And so... We get through practicing, and we're coming back. We practice from like 7 to 1 o'clock, and we're starving. We're getting ready to have lunch, and so he's hanging out. We'll go through the gym for a minute. So we start shooting around just to mess around. He says, how about a quick game of horse? And I said, you got it. So he pummels me the first game. I think 
All I got was H on him, and he buries me. He's hitting threes, and I've never shot a three in my life. Power forward, not on the baseline. So um, I proceed to go to the baseline. I finally find my shot, and so I beat him nine games in a row. <laughs> and I said, so now, now this is a typical Tiger. He's down nine games to one. He wants to keep going. No, 10 games of horse probably takes, whatever, 45 minutes to an hour to play, and I'm starving. I said, do yourself a favor. And I'm walking over. I said, do yourself a favor, practice. And I flipped the ball back to him. <laughs> so that, and, and true story, he, he didn't talk. I was at a, staying at his beach house across the street, and normally he texts me when it's time for dinner because he's got to cook. Never texts me that night. Didn't text me the next morning. 24 hours before he texts me back, he was pissed off. He still is. We still talk about it. Joe LaCava, thank you for... Thanks for listening to the Thuzio Live and Unfiltered podcast with our guest, Joe LaCava. Be sure to subscribe to Thuzio Live and Unfiltered wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you follow us on social media at Thuzio.